Flipped. After dinner, Julie was nice to me at school, which I hated. Mad was better than nice. Gaga was better than nice. It was like I was a stranger to her, and man, it bugged me. It bugged me big time. And then the auction happened, and I found myself with even bigger problems. The auction is this bogus way the booster club raises money for the school. They insist it's an honor to be chosen, <laughs> but bull stinking baloney to that. Bottom line is, 20 guys get shanghaied. They have to come up with fancy picnic lunches and then get humiliated in front of the whole school while girls bid to have lunch with them. And guess who made this year's top 20? You'd think mothers would say, hey, there's no way you're going to auction my son off to the highest bidder. <laughs> but no. Instead, they're all flattered that their son's been elected a basket boy. Yes, my friend, that's what they call you. Over the PA, you hear stuff like, there will be an organizational meeting of the newly elected basket boys in the NPR at lunch today. All basket boys must attend. Pretty soon you've completely lost your name. You and 19 other saps are known simply as basket boy. My mom, of course, was into it, coming up with all sorts of stuff to put in my basket so I'd get the highest bid. I tried to explain that I didn't want to be in the Mayfield Junior High's Basket Boy Hall of Fame, and that really, what was in the basket didn't matter. It wasn't like girls were bidding on the basket. And when you got right down to it, this was a meat market. You eat lunch on campus, and that's the end of it. It is hardly a meat market, Bryce. It's an honor. Besides, maybe someone really nice will bid on you, and you'll make a new friend. Mothers can be in such denial. And then Garrett bends my ear with the news that Shelly Stahls is breaking up with Mitch Michelson and that she, Miranda Humes, and Jenny Atkinsons are starting some bidding war over me. Dude, he says, tells me. The two hottest chicks on campus. And I swear to God, man, Shelly's dumping Mitch because of you. I heard it direct from <clears throat> Shagreer. And dude, Shagreer the ear knows all. He knows me this, throws me this nasty grin and says, Me? I'm rooting for Jumbo Jenny. It'd serve you right for being such a basket boy. I told him to shut up, but he was right. And with the way my luck was running, I'd probably get stuck with Jumbo Jenny. I could just see it. Six feet of beefy babe downing both halves of my lunch and then coming after me. You see, Jenny's the only girl or guy on campus who can dunk a basketball. The whole gym shakes when she lands. And since she's got no, you know, female parabolas... The girl could shave her head and make it in the NBA. Seriously, no one would ever suspect. Her parents gave give her anything she wants, too. A rumor has it they converted their garage into a full-on basketball court just for her, which meant that in the game of the basket boys, I was as good as slam dunked. Unless, unless, Shelly or Miranda was the highest bidder. But how could I make sure that happened? My brain went into overdrive constructing a plan, and in the end I decided that there was only one sensible course of action. Kiss up to both of them. Halfway through my first day of doing this, I felt like a skunk. Not that I was being gross about it or anything. I was just, you know, friendly. And even though Shelly Miranda didn't seem to smell a thing, Garrett did. Dude, <laughs> he tells me on a Thursday, I can see your game, man. What are you talking about? Don't deny it, dude. You're working on them both. He comes up and whispers in my ear. Basketball or not, I'm in awe. Shut up, man. Seriously, 
Deer says they were like clawing each other in PE today. I had to know. What about, Jumbo Jenny? He shrugs. Haven't heard, but we'll find out tomorrow, won't we, dude? My mother dropped me off at school on Friday with my stupid oversized picnic basket. And since all basket boys have to dress up, I was choking in a tie and feeling completely dweeb-like in slacks and dress shoes. Kids whistled and shouted, Ooh, baby, as I headed up the hall, we, hall walkway. And then Jumbo Jenny passed me, taking the front steps three at a time. Wow, Bryce, she said in over her shoulder. You look delicious. Oh, man. I practically ran to the classroom where all the basketballs were supposed to meet. And the minute I walked in, I felt better. And I was surrounded by other dweebs who seemed genuinely happy to see me. Hey, Lofsky. Yo, dude. Doesn't this suck eggs? Why don't you take the bus, man? I guess misery loves company. Then Miss McClear, the president of the Boosters, the lady who lassoed us all, hoofs it through the door. Oh my, she says. You all look so handsome. Not one word about our baskets. Not one little sneak peek inside. No, for all she cared, those puppies were empty. Meat market? Yeah, you better believe it. Well, don't be so nervous, boys, Mrs. McClure was saying. You're going to have a wonderful day. She pulls out a list of names and starts ordering us into line. We get our numbers. Our baskets get numbers. We fill out three-by-five cards to her insane specifications, and by the time she's got us all organized and is sure that we know what to do and what not to do, we've missed all the first and second period. Okay, gentlemen, she says. Leave your baskets where they are and go... Where are we now? Still in second, she looks at the clock. Right, second. What about passes? Some sensible basketball asks. Your teachers have a list, uh, but if they say anything, tell them I say your neckties are your passes. I'll meet you back here when everyone's dismissed for the auction. Got it? Don't twaddle. He, he grumbled. Yeah, yeah, and headed to class. And I can tell you this, not one of the 20 of us listened to any word any of our teachers said that morning. How can you listen with a noose around your neck, pinched toes, and a room full of idiots thinking it's open season on basket boys? Whoever started this stupid tradition ought to be crammed into a basket and tossed downstream without a serving spoon. I was basket boy number nine, which meant I had to stand there on stage in the gym while nearly half the guys got auctioned off. Minimum bid was ten bucks. And if nobody bid, the secret was a teacher was assigned to bid on you. <laughs> yes, my friend, the possibilities for mortification were infinite. Some of the moms showed up and stood off to the side with their camcorders and zoom lenses, fidgeting and waving and basically acting as dweeby as their sons looked. I should know, my mom took an hour off work to be one of them. Tim Pillow. Yeah, he was basket boy number five. And his mom actually bid on him. <laughs> no kidding. She jumped up and down yelling, 20, 20, I'll give you 20. Man, that'll brand you for life. And lucky for Tim, Kelly Trot came up with uh, 2250 and saved his sorry self from everlasting torture as a mama's boy. And one of the few fates worse than a basket boy. Caleb Hughes was up next and he fetched the boosters all of 1150. Then came Chad Ormond, who I swear was ready to pee his pants when Mrs. McClure made him step forward. And she read his card and pinched his cheek, and he raked in 15 even. At this point, what stood between me and the auction block was John Trulock. And I wasn't exactly interested in what he had in his basket or what his hobbies and favorite sports were. And I was too busy scanning the crowd for Jumbo Jenny sweating my pits off. Miss McClure calls into the microphone. 
do I hear 10? And it took me a minute to tune into the fact that no one said 10. <laughs> no one said anything. Come on, come on out there. The lunch is delicious. Strawberry tarts. Um, and Mrs. McClure goes back to reading off the 3x5 about John Trulock's lunch. Talk about embarrassing. This was worse than being a mama's boy. Worse than lunch with Jumbo Jenny. How'd he get voted a basketball boy if nobody wanted to have lunch with him? Then off to the right of the crowd, I hear, Ten. Ten? Did I hear ten? Mrs. McClure says with a fluttery smile. Twelve, came a different voice from the same area. The first voice came back with fifteen, and all of a sudden I recognized whose voice it was. Julie Baker's. I searched through the crowd and I found her, hand-waving the air, that look all over her face. Sixteen, came another voice. There was a pause, but then Julie shoots back with eighteen. Eighteen, cries Mrs. McClure, who looks like she's about to collapse from relief. She pauses and then says, Eighteen going once, eighteen going twice, sold for eighteen dollars. To Julie? She was the last person I expected to bid on a lunch. Anybody's lunch. John staggered back into line, and I knew I was supposed to step forward, but I couldn't budge. I felt like I'd been slugged in the stomach. Did Julie like John? Is that why she'd been so... so... so nice lately? Because she didn't care about me anymore? All my life she'd been there, waiting to be avoided, and, and now it was like I didn't even exist. Well, step up, Bryce. Come on, don't be shy. Mike Abinetto shoved me a little and said, Your turn for tur torture. Get up there. It felt like walking the plank. I just stood up front sweating bullets while the Booster Queen dissected my lunch and started running through my list of favorites. And before she's even finished, though, Shelly Stalls calls out, Ten! What's that, said Mrs. McClure? I'll give you ten. Oh, she laughs, and she puts down her notes. Well, I guess I hear ten twenty, calls Miranda Humes from a dead center. Twenty-five! It's Shelly Stalls again. I'm looking around for Jumbo Jenny, praying she's going home sick or something, while Shelly and Miranda go up by fives. Thirty! Thirty-five! Forty! Then I spot her. She's about 20 feet behind Miranda, cleaning her fingernails with her teeth. 45, 50, 52. 52, interrupts the booster queen. Well, this has been lively, and from the looks of this basket, well worth the 60. 62, calls Shelly. Miranda scrambles around, trying to beg money off her friends, as Mrs. McClure calls, going once. But then Janny stands up and bellows. A hundred. hundred. There was a collective gasp, and then the entire student body turns and stares at Jenny. Well, laughs Mr. McClure, we have a hundred. Well, that, this is certainly an all-time record and such a generous donation to the boosters. I wanted to boost her right off the stage. I was doomed. This was something I would never live down. Then there's a big commotion, and all of a sudden Shelly and Miranda are standing right next to each other, calling, One twenty-two fifty. We'll give you one twenty-two fifty. $122.50? I thought the Booster Queen was going to polka. You're pooling your resources to have lunch with this fine young man? Yes, they call. Then look over Jenny's way. Everybody looks over Jenny's way. <clears throat> Jenny just shrugs and goes back to cleaning a nail. Well then, $122.50 going once. $122.50 going twice. Sold to those two beautiful young ladies for an all-time record of $122.50. Dollars. 
dude, Mike whispers when I got back in line. Shelly and Miranda? How am I supposed to follow that? He didn't even come close. He got Terry Norris for 16 bucks, and the most anyone else got was 40 And when it was over, all the guys told me, Dude, you're like, you're like the man, score. But I didn't feel like the man. I felt wiped out. My mom came up and gave me a hug and a kiss like I'd won a gold medal or something, then whispered, My little baby. And clickety clicked off with her high heels back to work. So I was wiped out, embarrassed, and then practically dragged to the multi-purpose room by Shelly and Miranda. The boosters that outfitted the NPR with little t- uh, tables for two all decorated in shades of pink and blue and yellow and with balloons and streamers everywhere. I, I felt like the Easter Bunny with my stupid basketball lunch clutched in both hands while Miranda held onto one arm and Shelly latched onto the other. They gave us the biggest table and whisked us in an extra chair. And when everyone was seated, Mrs. McClure said, Boys and girls, I don't think I need to remind you that you are excused from class for the rest of the day. Enjoy your lunches, enjoy your friendships, and take your time, relax, and thanks again for supporting your boosters. We wouldn't be us without you. So there I was, with the two hottest girls on campus having lunch, and I was the man, the envy of every other guy in school. But buddy, I was miserable. I mean, these two girls may be gorgeous, but what was coming out of their mouths about Jumbo Jenny was embarrassingly ugly. Miranda works herself up to, what was she thinking? (laughs) Like you would ever want to go out with her, right Bryce? Well, yeah, that was right, but it seemed really wrong to say so. Hey look, can we talk about something else? Sure, like what? I don't care, anything else. You guys going anywhere this summer? Miranda shoots off first. We're taking a cruise to the Mexican Riviera. We're supposed to stop in all those cool ports and shop and stuff. She flutters her eyelids at me and says, I could bring you back something. Shelly scoots her chair in a little and says, eh, We're going up to the lake. My dad has a cabin there and you can get the most outrageous tan. Do you remember what I looked like at the beginning of the, this year? I was like black. I'm going to do it again, only this time I've got a schedule all worked out so it's even everywhere. She giggles and says, But don't tell my mom, okay? She would have a knip. And this, my friend, is how the tan wars began. Miranda told Shelly that she didn't even notice her tan at the beginning of the year and that the place to really roast is on a cruise ship. Shelly told Miranda that everyone with freckles can't really get tan, and since Miranda had freckles everywhere, the cruise was a guaranteed waste of money. I choked down my third of the lunch and looked around the room, trying to let it all flow past me. Well, then I saw Julie. She was two tables away from me, facing my direction, only she wasn't looking at me. She was looking at John, her eyes all sparkly and laughing. My heart lurched. What was she laughing about? What were they talking about? How could she just sit there and look so beautiful? I felt myself spinning out of control. It was weird, like I couldn't even steer my own body. I'd always thought John was pretty cool, but right now I wanted to go over there and throw him across the room. Shelly grabbed my arm and said, Bryce, are you alright? You, you look, I don't know, possessed or something. What? Oh, I tried taking a deep breath. What are you staring at, Miranda asked. <laughs> they both looked over their shoulders, then shrugged and went back to picking at their food. But I couldn't stop myself from looking again. And in the back of my mind, I could hear my grandfather's voice saying, The choices you make now will affect you for the rest of your life. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing.
Miranda shook me out of it, saying, Bryce, are you in there? I asked, what are you going to do this summer? I don't know, I snapped. Hey, maybe you can spend some time at the lake with us, Shelly said. It was torture. I wanted to scream, shut up, leave me alone. I wanted to run out of the building and keep on running until I didn't feel like it anymore. Lunch is really delicious, Bryce, Miranda's voice was floating around. Bryce, did you hear me? This is a really spectacular lunch. A simple thank you would have sufficed, but could I come up with a simple thank you? No. I turned on her and said, Hey, can we not talk about food or tans or hair? She gave me an uppity little smile. Well, what do you want to talk about then? I blinked at her, then at Shelley. How about perpetual motion? You know anything about that? <laughs> perpetual what? Miranda starts laughing. What? What's so funny? She looks at me a minute and snickers. I didn't realize I'd bit on an intellectual. Hey, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, Miranda giggles. Uh, can you even spell intellectual? He is too smart, Miranda. Oh, stop kissing up, Shelly. You're trying to tell me you're after his brain? God, makes me sick to watch you grovel. Grovel? Excuse me? Yeah, you heard me. He's not going to take you to the grand to the grad dance anyway, so just give it up, why don't you? And with that, it was all over. One of my mom's flaky apple tarts got ground into Miranda's hair. The extra ranch dressing got smeared into Shelly's. And before Mrs. McClure could say, In the name of boosters, what are you doing? They were rolling on the floor, scratching each other's makeup off. I took this opportunity to leave my table and head for Julie's. And I grabbed her by the hand and said, I've got to talk to you. She sort of half stands and says, What? What's going on, Bryce? Why are they fighting? Excuse us a minute, would you, John? I pull her away from the table where there's no place to go, and I've got her hand in mine, and I just can't think. So I stop right there in the middle of the room and look at her. At that face, I want to touch her cheeks and see what it feels like. I want to touch her hair. It looks so incredibly soft. Bryce, she whispers, what's wrong? I can barely breathe as I ask her. Do you like him? Do I? You mean John? Yes. Well, sure, he, he's nice and... No, do you like him? My heart was pounding through my chest as I took her other hand and waited. Well, no, I mean, not like that. <clears throat> no, she said no. I didn't care where I was. I didn't care who saw. I just, I just had to kiss her. I leaned in, closed my eyes, and then she broke away from me. Suddenly, the room was dead quiet. Miranda and Shelley stared at me through their slimy hair. Everyone was looking at me like I'd blown my entire circuit board, and I just stood there trying to reel in my lips and pull myself back together. Mrs. McClure took me by the shoulders and guided me to my chair and told me, You sit here and you stay here. Then she hauled Miranda and Shelly outside, scolding them and telling them to find separate bathrooms and clean up while she ran down the janitor to mop up their mess. I sat there by myself and didn't even care about covering up. I just wanted to be with her, to talk to her, to hold her hand again, to kiss her. Before school was out, I tried to talk to her again, but every time I got close, she dodged me. And then, when the final bell rang, she disappeared. I looked everywhere, but she was gone. Garrett, however, wasn't. He tracked me down and said, Dude, tell me it isn't true. I didn't say a word. I just headed for the bike racks, still hoping to find Julie. Oh, man, it is true. Leave me alone, Garrett. You get hooked up with the two finest chicks on campus, and then you bail on them for Julie? You don't understand. <laughs> You're right, dude. I completely don't understand. Did you seriously try to kiss her? I, I couldn't believe that part. We're talking Juliana Baker, your nightmare neighbor. You know, the know-it-all nuisance, the coop-poo babe. I stopped cold and shoved him. 
just laid into him with both hands and shoved. That was a long time ago, man. Knock it off. Garrett put both hands up but moved in at me. Dude, you flipped. You know that. Just back off, would you? He blocked my path. I can't believe this. Two hours ago, you were the man. The man. The whole school was on their knees before you. Now look at you. You're like a social hazard, he snorted and said. And dude, the truth is, if you're going to be like this, I don't need the association. I got right in his face and said, good. Because you know what? Neither do I. I shoved him aside and ran. I wound up walking home <clears throat> in my pinchy shoes and with dirty dishes clanking inside my sticky picnic hamper. This basket, the boy hiked all the way home. And there was a battle raging inside me. The old Bryce wanted to go back in time, wanted to hang with Garrett and shoot the breeze, wanted to hate Julie Baker again. Wanted to be the man. But in my heart, I knew the old Bryce was toast. There was no going back, not to Garrett or Shelley or Miranda or any of the other people who wouldn't understand. Julie was different. But after all these years, that didn't bother me anymore. I liked it. I liked her. And every time I saw her, she seemed more beautiful. She just seemed to glow. I'm not talking like a 100-watt bulb. She just had this warmth to her. Maybe it came from climbing that tree, and maybe it came from singing to chickens, and maybe it came from whacking at 2x4s and dreaming about perpetual motion. I don't know. All I know is that compared to her, Shelly and Miranda seemed so ordinary. I'd never felt like this before, ever. And just admitting it to myself instead of hiding it made me feel so strong, happy. I took off my shoes and socks and stuffed them in the basket. My tie whipped over my shoulder as I ran home barefoot, and I realized that Garrett was right about one thing. I had flipped completely. I trucked down our street and spotted her bike laying on its side in the driveway. She was home. I rang the bell until I thought it would break, but no answer. I pounded on her door. No answer. I went home and called her on the phone, and finally, finally her mother answers. Bryce? No. I'm sorry. She doesn't want to talk. And then she whispers. Just give her a little time, won't you? I gave her an hour almost. Then I went across the street. Please, Mrs. Baker, I I've got to see her. She's locked herself in her room, dear. Why don't you try phoning her tomorrow? Tomorrow? I couldn't wait until tomorrow, so I went around the side of the house and climbed the fence and knocked on her window. Julie! Julie, please! I've got to see you! Her curtains didn't open, but the back door did, and out came Mrs. Baker to shoo me away. When I got home, my granddad was waiting by the front door. Bryce, what's going on? You've been running back and forth to the bakers, climbing over their fence. You're acting like the world's on fire, I blurted. I can't believe this. I just can't believe this. She won't even talk to me. He led me to the front room, saying, Who won't talk to you? Julie. He hesitated. Is she mad at you? I don't know. Well, does she have reason to be mad at you? No. Y yes. I mean, I don't know. Well, what happened? I tried to kiss her in front of the whole room of people and while I was supposed to be having that stupid basketball lunch with Shelley and Miranda. I tried to kiss her. Slowly, a smile spread across his face. <laughs> you did? I was, like, possessed. I couldn't stop myself, but she pulled away and... I looked out the window at the baker's house. You know, she won't talk to me. Very quietly, my grandfather said, Maybe she thinks this is all a little sudden but it's not it's not no I mean I turned to him it started with that stupid newspaper article and I don't know I've been weirded out ever since she doesn't 
look the same. She doesn't sound the same. She doesn't even seem like the same person to me. I stared out the window at the baker's. She's, she's just different. My grandfather stood beside me and looked across the street, too. No, Bryce, he said softly. She's the same as she's always been. You're the one who's changed. He clapped his hand on my shoulder and whispered, And son, from here on out, you'll never be the same again. I, maybe my grandfather's happy about all this, but I'm miserable. I can't eat, I can't watch TV, I can't seem to do anything. So I went to bed early, but I can't sleep. I've watched her house from my window for hours now. I've stared at the sky, I've counted sheep, but man, I can't stop kicking myself for what an idiot I've been all these years. And now, how am I going to make her listen to me? I'd scale that monster sycamore if I could, right to the top, and I'd yell her name across the rooftops for the whole world to hear. And since you know what a tree-climbing weenie I am, I think it's pretty clear that I'm willing to do just about anything to get her to talk to me. Man, I'll dive after her into a chicken coop full of poop if that's what it takes. I'll ride my bike all the stinking way to school for the rest of eternity if it means being with her. Something. I've got to come up with something to show her that I've changed. To prove to her that I understand. But, but what? How do I show her that I'm not the guy she thinks I am? How do I erase everything I've done and start over? Well, maybe I can't. Maybe it's just cannot be done, but if I've learned one thing from Julie Baker, it's that I've got to put my whole heart and soul into it and try. Whatever happens, I know that my grandfather's right about one thing. I'll never be the same again.